0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareko. We are cosmic beings, beings of light. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are honored, privileged, and humbled. We serve in your presence. Our shows are held on Mondays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. At any moment, to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. All podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Paretko at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day.
1: Thank you, Danny, and welcome, everybody, to you. Today, we have the show From Fashion to Enlightenment, A Blessed Life, with Anastasia Hayes Piper. After 30 years in the fashion and beauty industry, our guest and host, Anastasia Piper, shifted to the nonprofit sector in development. Then she coached and consulted on building community through positive change and transition. Formerly the creator of Spirit of Change in Los Angeles and San Diego, California, Anastasia recently moved to Asheville, North Carolina to expand into spiritual growth through healing transmissions as an inspirational intellectual Medium. Her mission is to empower individuals to take responsibility for their own healing and creativity, empowering themselves and their community. Anastasia connects to the spirit world through her lineages and is used as a vehicle for messages to empower and uplift. Individual sessions can be booked online at Heavenly Musings Org. Anastasia recently appeared on one of the episodes on Asheville Awake, where she shares some of the inspirational messages she has received. Anastasia has is an inspirational intellectual medium, as I said before. She connects to the spirit world through her lineages and is used as a vehicle for messages to empower and uplift. But what does that mean? Today, we are going to talk about fashion to enlightenment, and what does fashion to enlightenment mean? So let's bring Anastasia to the show so she can tell us a little bit about her new show. What is the mission? that she wants to have through this show, where is her passion taking her these days, and how she listens to spirit, and how her life has shown her many aspects of spirituality through her work in a beautiful, fashioned life that she shared with her family. Hey, Anastasia, how are you? Welcome. Hi,
2: Claudia. How are you?
1: <laughs> We're doing just <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> Good. You I know, lost when you when, there for a moment.
1: <laughs> I know. When you work with computers and electronics, and we are going through a big, big shift of dimensions and um, vortices and, and change, and from one place to another, on planetarily talking. Things happen, so we just laugh and adapt to them. So we don't care. So we just had an opportunity to give a very beautiful opening about you. And I was telling people, our listeners, how you're going to uh, share your own story for in the fashion industry and of environment.
2: Well, thank you, Claudia. And um, I'm delighted to be here today. Uh, Yes, uh, the energies that are coming into the planet are taking everything and throwing it up like pieces of of salad, right? You throw up lettuce in the air and it comes down. So we have to be flexible. So uh, I welcome everyone on the call today. Uh, This program, From Fashion to Enlightenment, is the story of, um, I call it a blessed life. It's the story of my journey. And uh, it, I have been guided by my teens and lineages to share this story now. I actually started sharing this story in a PowerPoint presentation years ago, and uh, then I was told to put it away. And so it's been since probably 2010, so maybe five or six years since I have uh, used or even looked at this material. And a few weeks ago, I was the inner guidance to take it out and uh, to uh, have the intention to use it as a vehicle of love and light to inspire and uplift. And I thought, well, perfect timing, uh, which always is that spirit knows when the correct time for something is or the best time for something is, even though we think we know. (laughs) <laughs> so, from fashion to enlightenment is uh, the story, as I said, of my truly blessed life. And it is um, first. I want to uh, explain what my perception, because this whole story is my perception and my uh, adventure. Uh, enlightenment to me always meant years ago uh, that it was oh a state I could never attain and it was like beyond my grasp and then through a series of circumstances over the past 30 years maybe even more I have grown to understand that we all are enlightened we've just forgotten (laughs) so it isn't um, such a Uh, a big word Uh, I think it's a much much misunderstood word so I welcome all of you light beings today to uh to this program and for the months to come I would like participation I am a um, someone who enjoys conversation I'm a storyteller so I'll tell my story but I enjoy and will enjoy to hear your story as well and that way uh we become more conscious of the community that we're building. Uh, It is a community of lightworkers, and we're here to assist with the changes in the planet and to assist those who haven't awakened yet. So I was born in New York City, right in the heart of the city. I am a city girl. And when I was born, I was born of and I believe I picked them, um, two beautiful people. They were not only physically beautiful, but they were beautiful people. And um, so my mother and my father both came from Michigan. They were both born outside of Detroit. And my father was in the advertising business, pretty much, with Hearst, a company that doesn't exist any, anymore, and my mother was a a model, and she became a fashion model when she was discovered at Saks Fifth Avenue in Detroit working uh, as a model. Uh, John Robert Powers, who ran at that time the biggest, uh, largest uh, modeling agency in the world, John Robert Powers came in and he said, I want you to come to New York and I want you to be part of my agency. This was in 1940, probably the end of the war, 45. And uh, she got permission from her, her mom to her parents, though, and she went in to live in New York City uh, in a, uh, an apartment of a woman who had, she was like the chaperone. Of these young women who uh, came to New York to model and they were protected and they were they were safe it was a very different time so uh, my mother started modeling John Robert Powers and uh, became quite famous actually but my father she met my father in they had known each other in Michigan but uh they re met on Fifth Avenue. Um there is a store called Tiffany's, which I'm sure pretty much everybody's heard of. It's on Fifty Seventh Street and Fifth Avenue. And my mother told the story of the uh meeting my father to be uh on the corner, the windy corner of uh Tiffany's on Fifty Seventh Street and Fifth Avenue. And she turned the corner and there he was. Woo-hoo! And she looked at him and she went, What is- he, she said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here in the big city? And so that was the beginning of my conception, probably. <laughs> so I was um, even conceived in, in New York City, right in the middle of everything. Uh, my father, uh, so from the very early days, uh, and this is where the fashion, the beginning of my life started, when people ask me, well, when did you start to work? I say, six months of age. I was I was six months old when I had the cover of Woman's Home Companion, which was a famous magazine at the time. My mother uh, and I were on that cover. And I still cherish that cover today. I have the original cover with me. And I travel no matter where I go, that cover comes with me. So that was how I began in the fashion business. In that time, was very much family oriented mothers um a lot of the work my mother did was with me it was mothers and daughters we we did uh photography together we did mother and daughter fashion shows like for singer sewing machine together I really did grow up in as they say the business and I don't know that I didn't know that it wasn't different than anybody else's life you know I just I just knew that I was happy, and I got to be with my mom and all of her friends. It was really interesting to be with independent women, working women. And I always knew that, like, these women could do anything. I could do anything. I never doubted that I could uh, accomplish whatever it was that uh, was set before me. And I think it stems from seeing all of these women in their power. Um, it, it may seem frivolous on the, on the exterior, the fashion kind of business, but you have to be substantial to be successful in that business. And substantial, I mean, you have to know what you're doing and you have to, uh, trust. And there, I saw a lot of those, uh, qualities that I, inspired me as a child, so um, that part of working with my mom uh, was, uh, was fun because I enjoyed being with her. Uh, and uh, I, I'm sure I enjoyed the fuss and everything that mm-hmm. goes on. It's like young actors. It's the same thing. There's a certain attention, right? But I did. I went to school like everybody else. Um, and when I was at school, I was seven years old. My whole life changed, radically changed. I was, before that, I was a happy-go-lucky child. I had a brother and a sister whom I loved, um, although we fought all the time. My sister was three years younger, but my brother was only a year younger and we were very, very close and good friends. And then um, when I was seven, one morning, I had a kind of a ritual. My father uh, would take me with him to church before school because I loved going to church. I was a child that talked to to all the statues in the church. I didn't necessarily, uh, I just liked them. I don't know that I, it registered, but I always loved God and loved being in church. And um, I liked the quiet, I liked the singing. Um, And so I used to accompany my father to church, uh, and then he dropped me at school. And my sister and brother were still younger, so I think they were at home. And one morning I went in to wake him up. And he didn't move. So I went to get my mom and, you know, tell her. And it, as it turns out, my father died in his sleep uh, of a heart attack uh, peacefully at home. And I found him. This was the beginning of my uh, un. Now, I, didn't, I didn't understand what had happened because I think my mother told me we weren't allowed to go to the funeral, which I think that all children should be allowed to see joyfully the passage, this transition, but I wasn't, and um, we were sad, you know, and she, I think my mother said something like, oh, your father's gone on a trip and he's not coming back. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, we felt abandoned. There was no question about it As much as my mother She didn't know how to handle it She was 27 or 28 years old And she had three children And from that moment on She just took charge of everything Um, I think she already had been in charge When my father was still alive Because she was a force to be reckoned with But it was the turning point in my life Um, And The I missed him because he was kind of my pal. I went to ball games. He was a Dodger fan. We went to Ebbets field together. When my brother was older, we went with my brother. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. He was a very much a family man. And um, he was just, he was great. He used to take me. I remember he took me shopping once to best in company. This is a store that no longer exists like lots of others, but, At the day, that's where little girls got their dresses and things. And so um, I remember him taking me shopping. And when we were on the main floor about to leave, um, someone had touched my head, right? Well, it was the Duke of Windsor. The Duke Mm -hmm. and Duchess of Windsor uh, commented on what a beautiful child I was. Um, I don't know what age I was I was probably, my father died I was 7 so it probably was when I was 6 or 7 and I'll never forget that moment in time it was after that I realized, I and I spoke with him you know like hi and thank you or whatever I said at the age of 7 uh, but I remember being at ease uh, with uh, someone who was famous because I had been Modeling with other people who were famous too, or at least famous in my mind, and I didn't see much difference. This has become something very important in my journey: seeing each other as being people, uh, not having a lot of preconceived notions. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have some through through the through the, through the years. But I've realized that the most important thing that we can do, besides really liking ourselves and taking care of ourselves, is that when we do that, or when we we, we take care of ourselves, we drop uh, stuff that, that we don't need, we approach people differently. For instance, if we are, um, if I don't see a difference in someone, it's so, simply because I, I grew up in a city of international people. Of i met all kinds of famous people. People were just people. I either liked them as a person or I didn't like them as a person. It wasn't about a lot of preconceived notions about the people, even though people around me kind of tried to do that. I never really accepted that. I, I was always listening, and that's a blessing. I've always listened to my own take on things, pretty much. And I've learned more and more to trust that. Uh, And as a child, uh, and especially a child uh, losing, it was like I lost a best friend. Uh, And uh, because he was around more, mom, even though I worked with her a lot, um, I missed my dad a lot. And uh, so did my brother. And my sister, she was even, she was small, so she really didn't, um, I don't think, missed him in the same way. But we were open and saw very early on on my journey. I saw a transition. I saw that there's life and death, and um I saw how people reacted when someone died, not directly but indirectly and uh, so i I continued to go to church, and I think i I used to like have an imaginary friend, right? I brought my father. <laughs> with me for a while. You know, it was like, oh, I can just, he's here too. I knew that he wasn't far away. It's very, uh, as a child, you know, people tell you not to think that way. But honestly, we have to allow children, especially, I have no children of my own, so I can't speak an expert about children, but I can tell you from my own personal experience that allowing children to be who they are, allowing them to experience life, and not trying to continuously protect them in 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 a very personal sense. Yes, we are here to protect our children, and I'm very much um, for that. And it's not that it's we have to just allow people to be who they are, whether they're children or adults. That's um, part of seeing someone, of really seeing them. So here I am at school. I'm in a private school. I'm working in the afternoons. So. Uh, at uh, for uh, fashion, uh, either fashion shows or photographing, uh, photographic uh, booking with mother and or myself. I did a lot of work on my own for children's clothing because it was a big market. And I uh, left school uh, in the afternoon and it was different than everybody else, which was not a fun experience necessarily with my classmates, because being different is. Whether, see, for someone would look at it and say, oh, she's she's different because she's pretty, or she's different because she's heavy, or, she, or you know, she's got What people, where it's like we judge each other continuously during the whole course of the day. It's amazing we've gotten anywhere. So I left school in the afternoon. I went to do what I was supposed to do. It was perfectly normal to me, but I realized that, I missed out on other things at school. So I'd come back and I'd have to make up something or uh, I, so I joined clubs and I joined dance. I went to to dancing school. I did ballet. I did things that I could do that would fit into my schedule and still do modeling. And my mother was brilliant at it. Uh, When my father died, my mother devoted her life to her children she worked hard, she was successful, she was uh, truly um, a, a, a beacon of light um, in so many ways. And she, she, she was fierce, and, uh, and she was also very funny, although it was hard for her to have a sense of humor, but she was hysterical. My brother was the one person that could get my mother to laugh. Thank God and uh so uh she um she, i'm losing my train of thought. I get caught up sometimes you'll have to excuse me in the story because it's so it's so interesting to recall and relive um relive your life uh so i um I was at school. Claudia, you can jump in and pull me back to reality. (laughs) I'm going off on some text.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you were talking about going to school, work, and many times having to catch up. um, Oh, I know what it was. Schoolwork. Correct. I know what it was.
2: Um, When my father died, Mother had to have help because she was so busy working. And so she hired a nanny. And uh, this nanny who became my second mother. Oh my God. She was amazing. She was a school teacher from Ireland and she had just come over to New York. She was a friend of of friends Uh, because I have a a Russian name because I, my family, my mother's family is Russian and Polish. And my father's family is Irish and English. So uh, we had a lot of Irish friends around, and I lived in, in a part of New York that was also populated by a lot of Irish, uh, and uh, so we had a lot of Irish friends, and one of them found Ethna. Her name was Ethna O'Reilly and everyone called her Miss Ethna because she, was, she truly was a schoolteacher, and she was a great blessing, another blessing in our lives because she, she was a disciplinarian. Three children with a single mother can be quite a handful. My mother was out working and Ethna just stepped in. She was the guardian angel that stepped in to take care of us. And she and my mom became the the closest of friends. It was, it was a, a beautiful thing to watch. Um, Two women, uh, Building a family, and they did. And uh, my mother would date, and Ethna would date, but they had each other as well. So um, I learned early on that that a family doesn't necessarily look like a father, a mother, <laughs> and three children. It can be any of the above arrangements. You know, it, I I was very fortunate to grow up in a uh, a household and with friends who are open-minded i was never i just that's the judgment piece again in new york the first openly gay uh, people that i met i met as a child they in the neighborhood i everybody that's why um, i keep saying you know i just don't see a difference i just see people and uh, some i like and some i don't and that's my that's my prerogative but anyway ethna was just she was, as I said, the disciplinarian and she whipped us into shape so that we would um, uh, be able to function you know and we went to school, we were on time, we took care of each other, uh, we lived in a neighborhood where everyone knew each other on the block um, on the upper east side of Manhattan, uh, which was also a time where we knew the corner store we everybody was looked out for everybody else. It was Uh, A community, truly in the sense of the word, Uh, it was wonderful. And so we'd be out roller skating and people would always know where we were, Um, being a child of the city. Also, we took public transportation. I took the bus to to school every day. When we were very small, we were taken to school. But after that, we all were what we did. That's growing up in the city. And it, uh, you grow up fast because you have to be alert. You have to be awake. Um, the minute that you start to kind of daydream something happens. So, and we all looked out for each other, uh, central park was our playground, uh, which was really fun. We all thought of it as our own and uh, we were able to ice skate there. We were in the winter and sled snow sled down the little Hills, uh, we uh, we played hockey, field hockey. We, it was it was our that was a blessing. It was our space. My mother, in um, another uh, amazing thing she did besides finding X for us, she and my father had had a house had a house that they rented out on Fire Island. Fire Island is an island off the coast of uh, New York, out on Long Island, off the coast of Long Island, and it's out in the ocean, and it's beautiful. It's 30 miles long, and there are no cars. I mean, they're function cars, cars that function for electric, you know, electric company vehicles and things, but very few. And so we bicycled everywhere, and we grew up out there in the summers. My mother bought a house. My mother um, knew that we needed an anchor in the summer and that she could travel to Europe and do the shows and, and uh, to uh, to work there. Um, and if you're on the computer and you can see some of the photographs of my mother uh, we're posting, uh, she was, for instance, she was a Cadillac, the model for Cadillac cars, uh, Always very high-end, elegant um, work. She was a Clairol uh, uh, model for many years, and Revlon. Uh, she worked for um, all the big names and uh, was really popular, well-known, and well-liked. And uh, we knew all the photographers, too. They were friends of the family, and they, they, they were even more so after my father died. Uh, so, uh, out at Fire Island, we used to ha- spend these summers. My mother would be on the boat coming over. Cause it's a, you take a, go to Long Island and then you take a boat over to the island. And my mother would be on the daddy boat. We called it the daddy because all the men, the fathers would come over on Friday night after work and spend the weekend and then go back on Sunday. And my mother was this, Gorgeous, beautiful model in the middle of all these husbands, of all these, all these families that were, were all our friends. And it was funny. You know, it was always different. Everything was different when my life and my setup of, of how it developed was very different than everybody else's. And so, I don't know. It was very interesting. Uh, but as I look back on it, 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 oh, it makes me smile. It makes me smile because it was we'd go to to the daddy boat and pick up our mother, you know um so now that boat would be all mothers <laughs> uh, at least it would be more mixed so mm-hmm. um so that was my carefree time out at the beach. We had uh, a wonderful it was uh, truly blessing I learned just I was a big swimmer uh we learned we Played in the ocean from from I think my father threw me in when I was two years old or something and I it, my brother also was a big we all swam and sailed and played tennis and it was a healthy beautiful blessed uh, time even with the sadness and and loss of of our dad uh, we had we were taken care of again there was a community there. Everyone took care of each other. Someone's child was in trouble. Everybody took care. That is where we need to get back to. This is where we're going, actually. We're going there. uh, It's one of the intentions of this program uh, is to uh, bring us into community, a place that um, we can share stories. The way that they did in... uh, in indigenous times and still do in indigenous uh, circumstances, is that we we have stories to tell. We talk to each other. I love technology, but very honestly, I am so much happier talking on the telephone with a friend than I am writing, you know, four pages of text. Uh, so, uh, and I love, as I said, I love technology, yet there For me, it's about human contact. So what I would, I, I'm hoping with this, not hoping, it's going to happen. We're going to um, connect with each other heart to heart, face to face, even though it's over the Internet. Uh, you can, uh, we can imagine each other because we'll feel the heart. The, everything is energy. And so it's an energetic A smile isn't energetic. Uh, This morning I read uh, read the words joy. Joy is a source of all. And I just went, oh, yeah, I'm going to think about that today, you know. Uh, So um, getting back to my childhood (laughs) and the first part of this show, uh, I'm going to do the show in a very loose manner, as you can tell, so, but but by sections because each section of my life, this first part, it's about my father's transition and the tran- and the the transition of our family of how how we coped and how millions of people are coping with a similar situation now. Although it's it's different, it's not so different. Loss is loss, grief mm-hmm. is grief, and children, you just don't understand. I mean, it just doesn't. If we can, not if, but holding an, the energetic that we are more than the physical body, that we are who we are, we are God, little pieces of God, little sparks of light, and that the body is just the vehicle for us to, uh, to live here on planet Earth. Uh, I'm of the belief that I chose to come now at this time to be part of this transition that's happening of the planet. Uh, we used to call it the new earth years ago. Uh, it is shifting, and we're here for the shift. We came especially. I can. I don't know exactly. I can tell you I know that I came for that purpose. I How it manifests, I never know. I just follow... I call it following the breadcrumbs, and it's um, it's the journey and appreciating each part of the journey. So uh, from childhood,
1: and I, mm-hmm. I think, and the that we all did, we all chose yes. to come at this point of life because it was the exact moment that. We wanted to be here to experience what is going on in all shapes and sizes at the same moment, but at the mm-hmm. same time with different bodies. Because I, I love the story where you're talking about how it impacted your loss, having lost your your dad, but for in the other instance, having a very strong, independent. Mother, it mm-hmm. really changed everything for you, children. Because I don't, I don't hear lack, I don't hear fear, mm-hmm. I don't hear, um, you know, wonder what is going to happen to us tomorrow, or families disintegrating because they can't keep them together. I see, of course, the pain of having your loved one uh, leave this this life, but at the same time. Being protected in in unity and and with everything that you needed.
2: Oh, absolutely. And my mother was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the she was fearful. Don't get me wrong. There were moments when uh, she, I'm because uh, I I know you can tell. You know, children always mm-hmm. know what's going on in the house. <laughs> so, but what was, what's amazing with her was she, she was, she gave me that if I, I am a very, I stand in my truth kind of person. I have been, always have been. She was the same way. And I saw that in her and I um, admired that in her. Her truth was slightly different and that's fine because all of it is different. We're different people. Uh, Yet she, uh, she, she was, really um uh, she in her her way was um a way shower and uh, for so many uh I remember when I started working in the fashion business later on I, I used to uh I never people would say how did you get that job I said I don't know I you know I, I someone asked me if I could do it and I said yes and there's never been a time that I haven't Um, been able to, I've said no to many things. It's not that it's just that when something approaches, I just take it on. I, I show up and I do it. My mother was like that. She was given a set of circumstances and I saw how she handled it. Now she didn't always handle it with ease and grace, but she, uh, she was there for us always. And, um, Finally, after about i guess I was fourteen and uh, it was that was another big turning point in my life. Um, I had stopped modeling pretty much and was focused on ah, dance classes and you know growing up in new york we had we had uh, we had lots of parties and there was always something to do and uh I realized that uh my life changed again when my mother met one of the one of the many we called them suitors. Then you know, guys she used to date. Uh, she decided to marry, and uh, we met him, and we didn't like him. We, we would have picked any of the others over the years uh, because he was very. Um, he didn't really like kids. He was he was an international lawyer, a great man on his own. Um, but he didn't have any rapport with, especially teenage kids. I was 14 when my mother remarried and it was 67. It was a very tumultuous time in the world. Uh, It was uh, just before Woodstock and all of that. And uh, um, she remarried and he was, I was off at boarding school and uh, thank God I, I, Got out of the house. That's when I first learned that I could make decisions that uh, I wanted, as long as I kind of held the continuity with my mother. Um, and I liked boarding school. I liked being independent. I liked it being away from a home that I didn't know anymore. Ethna had left to get married herself. She and my mother, pretty much when my mother got married or got engaged, she and Ethna kind of. Blit, and both of them got married. That <laughs> was very interesting. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and um and so uh, at school I was independent and I didn't have to deal with a home situation that was really my mother and her new husband. And he had two children, so we now had stepsisters and um it was uh it was a very interesting time. Uh, I'm not going to go into that time today because that time has a lot to do with what I'd like to talk about next time, which is my brother and the uh, the uh, kind of the 60s and all the changes that took place. Um, that period of time, um, I just saw the Woodstock film that's a documentary on PBS. Oh my gosh, it is so well done. It's a really Interesting documentary about Woodstock from a standpoint Of nonviolence of how Peaceful the, the, That um, the actual Three or four days were I was not there I was in the city And then I was in Europe actually For part of that but um, It uh, I'd like to, to, to speak About that in another uh, In another way um, Next and our September show, September ninth. Uh so for now, um is anyone there for
1: calls, uh Claudia or I I have questions? a question for you. Yeah, so okay. so so when you were a child and uh so you were going into the fashion modeling and then uh how well did you, like, were there moments in your life that you hated the attention? Or did you mention how you <laughs> yeah. liked it? But were there yeah. moments that you say, this is just too much? I don't yeah. like being treated like the pretty girl. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Were, were there mm-hmm.
2: moments like that for you? Oh, absolutely. It's a very good point. Um, when I was at school, uh I first saw discrimination, and I didn't understand it. And, uh, and it was because I was pretty and I was special to them, you know, in their uh, minds, because I was working. Uh, someone else might look at that and say, well, children, you know, working, then, you know, there's a whole nother school of thought on that. Uh, but for me, it was perfectly normal, except with my friends, because mm-hmm. at school, I had friends in my neighborhood who understood more than the friends at school, because I was pulled out of class, or I was, Mm -hmm. they thought, treated specially, differently, right? So, yes, and I can remember one time, and I acted out. There was no question about it, and that's, I think, the Mm -hmm. time, about the time I started to end modeling. Uh, My mother saw, she was smart enough to see that it wasn't working anymore. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be I didn't want to be pretty. I didn't. I wanted to be normal. Okay, because normal kids did different things. So um, I remember one time I was in the bathtub, I was taking a bath, and I started to hit the water like punching it, right? And I was just angry. I was a child who was upset because something had happened at school, I guess. I don't remember the the details because I have a tendency of letting those go. I think one of the great qualities of life is you can live through something, and then if you can let it go and move on to the next thing, uh, it's much healthier. And somehow I instinctually knew that. But I remember very vividly, and my mother was like – stop yelling and this and that. And FNA came in and, you know, it was a whole big thing. And um, I could be very challenging at that time. Um, I uh, had to be disciplined more often than not uh, because I I was testing the boundaries of how much can I get away with. Right. Um, And paying and it was about attention because sometimes the attention on the exterior is what we're looking for but it's really the attention on the interior on the inside of us that is most important it's about being loved and cared for and nourished right and the outside doesn't do that for you all the fuss and the the fashion shows or the whatever photographers or this or that that doesn't nourish and you know that inside we know that and so for me, there was a shift. That's one of the reasons I loved going to boarding school is because I was on my own and I could start to make my own um, my own way. Um, not in the shadow of my mother, which was, that was another thing. Of, um, and, uh, and being different. See, in boarding school, nobody knew that I modeled. It was hard, you know, and I didn't really talk about it. We were on a whole nother trajectory in, in high school. And so with a whole bunch of kids that I didn't know before and that came from all over. So uh, actually I went to school with a lot of the Cuban girls who came from Havana at the time or Castro who were sent to um, the Convent of the Sacred Heart because that's my school. Same as Lady Gaga, for those of you listening. (laughs) The New York school of the Convent of the Sacred Heart, 91st Street was my school. And I went to their boarding school for high school as well, uh, one that was in Philadelphia called Eden Hall, which has since uh, doesn't exist anymore. But um, so I was taught uh, by uh, the nuns, and it was, they were open nuns. They were, they, they were so, um, they were smart. They taught us how to be independent. They, uh, sure, it was discipline and all, but it was a great education. My mother also was like, like, very not, like, smart.
1: Movies, not, those
2: not those guys. No, <laughs> unfortunately, fortunately not. Although I knew people who have had those experiences. For me, it was a, a group of women who were dedicated to education. So um, I learned French. We studied Greek and Latin in high school. So I was really prepared. In so many, and I loved uh, French. I love languages always. We chanted. Um, and sang Gregorian chant. Uh, I loved all of that. It was, it, it appealed to my um, sense of a larger community. Uh, not so much, and, and also the religious part of it, because I've always, as I said, I've always loved God and uh, Mother Mary and, and uh, Yeshua. And, and, you know, the, I've always been part, that's always been part of my life. But these women were dedicated, they were. March. And they were dedicated to giving us a good education. And it was a good education that was beyond polite table manners, which we did have, and etiquette and, um, and uh, different classes like that. But it was a really well-rounded education, and they do still do that today. The Condiment of the Sacred Heart school system is fantastic. They say that the Sacred Heart nuns are the equivalent of the Jesuits. The Jesuits, as they educate the boys and the, the sisters or mothers, of, they were, used to be mothers of the Sacred Heart, were the educators of the women because it was a, an all-girls uh, school at that time. So, uh I got a great education and it opened me up. I went to France for the first time when I was 14, almost 15, and I I spoke some I spoke French and then I learned it fluently. Um so I was exposed uh and that's another story for another day. Um the next phase uh but my first trip to Europe I was 14 and I loved it. Oh my god. Yeah. I want to work here and sure enough years later I Work there
1: work <laughs> mm-hmm. and if we could speak with your sister and your brother do you think they would have a very different um, opinion of their childhood or did you think, did you ever share that mom that childhood experience with them
2: Um uh, yes they they would and yes they did um both of them have transitioned uh so um And they actually work with me now as part of my teams and lineages, the the mediumship work I do, um, which is just an opening of something that I do that everybody else can do, too. It's just uh, I'm just uh, using it in a special way these days. But both, yes, my sister, my sister had a completely different view of her childhood and my brother pretty much... um, Not different, but my brother, he was, um, he never really got over his father dying. He felt abandoned and always felt a connection to our father. And he actually died. My father was 47 when he died, and my brother was 42. And my brother used to say things like, "Um, I'm going to die young like my dad. And I would go, you know, I would look at him as though he's nuts. And sure enough, you know, what you think and what you put out there, and what you hold, that's how you manifest. And he died of a heart attack as well, which was the same death as my, and he died at home. So, you know, one has to be very careful <laughs> with what one manifests. I have learned as I've watched over the years um, the uh it it pretty much works itself out not in the way you necessarily think but it does and um yes they my they because we all have a different perception so mine mine wasn't idyllic i mean i know it sounds it's but it was blessed i saw the blessings always i saw the blessings and the things that happened but i was still a child i was angry i threw things I remember my mother had a, a cook once, and it didn't last very long because I threw the toaster at him for some reason in the kitchen. And I don't know, but I was, yeah, I, had, I acted out, and I had my anger issues, and um, uh, it's part of who I am today. But I don't find it to be necessarily um, helpful. It's not what I lead with. Right. So you're bringing it up. And and I appreciate that. But I feel that that. um, That I'm here to look at the blessings in all that has happened, you know, and I, I really I'll remember throwing a toaster, but I can't tell you the circumstances and I can't tell you because I've let that anger go years ago. There was a, a time when I was married, I was married twice. And, and, uh, in between the two marriages, I, uh, uh, I was, I was with someone and a person made me so angry. I ripped out a bookshelf. This is what happened. I took books out of a bookshelf and I just threw them and I, and then I sat down and I went, Oh my God, I am, this anger has to stop. And I, I worked on, on getting over it and getting it out of my life forever because it wasn't constructive. And um, so, you know, yeah, I was I was a, a normal child. I feel that my guardian angels have always worked overtime, <laughs> and always been there for me, because I come out like a little cork on the top, you know, that floats to the surface uh, and has plenty of air to keep moving on. I think it's what's made me... Um, as courageous as I am uh, and uh, able to, uh, to be flexible now. I was very rigid at one point. My mother was quite rigid. Um, we used to say, you know, your way or the highway. That was pretty much my mom. And why I went to work in Europe in the later years of my life after school, uh, I left home because it was, I couldn't breathe And she was remarried and she had her life and it was like, okay, not my choice. So, but I had the courage to go and to do it and to build a a life. And I came home at holidays and I just wasn't around a lot of the time Um, for, for those years. I came in and out of my own, mm, on my own volition.
1: And I believe, um, Anastasia, that we all have had or still have those moments of black and white in our lives. Sometimes it's needed so we move, so we change, so we stop doing something. And, but then I think part of the awakening, part of the shift, is when you start to let go of that duality, that, that way of thinking mm-hmm. that something has to do either one thing or the other but it's a process it's a process where once you understand the liberation that you get out of that it's it's just fantastic
2: well yeah because it's it, the awakening process uh which we're all going through is um comes in stages right in in, in choices it's really about the choices we make that's what you learn is at the end of the day, your day is con- comprised of a bunch of choices. And uh, when you're younger, you've got to make the mistakes because then you make a choice. Whoops, don't want to do that again. Or you do it again and you go, well, I really need to change this. Yeah. We, this, is, this is kind of the play of how it, how it,
0: uh, how it works.
1: And Anastasia, in your, in your childhood, do you remember those moments in your childhood when you knew, without a doubt, that you that you were a being of light, that you were different mm-hmm. than than what you were uh, taught to be, that those moments when you understood life is bigger than big and things like that. Can you share some of those places in your childhood? I do. Were...
2: Yeah, I always felt that in church. Mm-hmm. I always felt that in church, and um, I, lo- I, would, I always had a, a vivid fantasy life. Um, everything, uh, I, I really believed that everything was magical, and people kept telling me to stop doing that, and I think that's what made me so angry. I know part of it was losing my father, but the other part was like when I was in a really good space and I was, I was happy, there's something that happened, and they go, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? And, and I know that um, everyone has experienced that because that, if you look at children, you, that's exactly who they are. They are happy. They're light. Uh, they're experiencing their true, their true self. Right. Um, and then adults come in (laughs) and they go, no, you can't do that. No, that's not true. Who is truth? Your truth. So, um, there is a, uh, a program I've taken for many years—a course called Mastering Alchemy—with Jim Self and uh, Roxanne Burnett, and they—they they have tools, and they—you clear all that stuff because all of us have this baggage that we brought with us, and that needs clearing. And uh, thank God for them because they've helped me with their the Mastering Alchemy tools for years to—to. To, uh, just to, to learn how to stand in my own truth. What is your truth? You know, the question to each one of us is, what is your truth? What is, who is it? Who, who are you? The, you know that you are more than the body. You are light, right? Uh, and it's important to ask these questions all the time of ourselves. And that's self-discovery. Once we get there for ourselves, then the whole world changes. Uh, but that's the work we have to do. And, um, when I was a child, I had my, these magical moments. And I, when I was in nature, when I was swimming in the ocean, oh, I was so carefree. I'd be surfing the waves and not with a surfboard with, we used to body surf, you know? And, um, it was when I wasn't in thought of, uh, of, of what I was supposed to do. I was just free, you know, it's freedom. And, um, and yeah, and there were just I love I love the magic of it. I was a big reader as a child too, and and I read all kinds of books. The ones I liked the most were all the fantasy books, you know. So uh, because I knew that there was some some way I was connected to that, I was connected to the fairy kingdom. Oh, I always loved talking to the fairies, and and of course Ethna was great because she, being Irish, was connected to all of that as well that Celtic spirit. Uh, I've always had a, um, an interest in that, um, as well. Uh, and it's about magic. It's, 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 it's so, um, yeah. So it's come back into my life. Uh, it left for a while. And then I brought it back into my life.
1: And again that's another part of the conversation we're gonna be having. But yes. I, I just wanted to to put it out there that if we look back into our own childhoods, there's always some messages, some imagery that that's there that were present in our lives where we knew this is not just like this. There's more. Mm-hmm. There's more, mm-hmm. and 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 those. It's almost like whispering words of uh in our ears saying, "See beyond that. Think beyond that, or believe more than that." So we're gonna continue on on our journey of, of going through your memories, Anastasia. We're gonna continue bringing all of that magic and all of those. Um, moments in your life that you just knew there were something more than just what your eyes could see. Oh yes, lots more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, because this is not a set story, like there's going to be moments in in our future episodes where. Some of your memories from childhood will come back, and some of your memories of later times will mm-hmm. jump in. But I, but we invite our listeners to continue uh, listening to the episode to learn more about your life and about um, the fashion. We're gonna start
2: getting oh, yes. more
1: into the fashion world and into Europe and the big names that were part of your everyday life, like. It's Saint-Lorraine, Estee Lancome, Versace, all mm-hmm. of those. So, um, how those the, all of these episodes can be replayed many times, as many times as you need. Just um, share the link that you're using right now, or you can go to um, Anastasia's own page on our website, cview1111.net, go into monthly show tab and then click on Anastasia and all of them are going to be right there to in a click so before we leave Anastasia what else do you want to share before what what is there anything that you want to share with our callers and listeners before we finish with today's episode
2: well i think that um it's been very uh Interesting, you know, I, it, when I um, sat down to do this again, um, I asked that I did not want to do it the same way in a, any kind of a pattern, right? That it should be something that comes um, from, from the heart, from my heart into, uh, out into uh, the world. Because as I said earlier, the intention here is to spread the light, to uplift and uh to uh to have a have a good time uh i think that at this moment in time if we can all look at um at our lives in a not and this is this is where it gets tricky always it's being positive and being loving and caring is how we are supposed to be <laughs> the other is not who we are and so if we can uh see what's going on and be of course be part of of the world and, and but really get into who who are we and what are we here for and what is what is the truth of of each one of our lives you know um that that is the essence uh of of all of it for us it's a journey to get to know who we truly are um I always think of us and I'll tell you this story because when people, uh, I started to think and I started to work in in the kind of healing arts, I was like, I asked creator, I said, so how did I get here? You know? And I had a vision of a group of us sitting uh, in a living room on a sofa. I was on a sofa and, um, creator was there right okay we're having you know like coffee with god and um it was real it was so real and i thought okay so the creator's speaking and saying, we have this project i want i'm working on and i need some help and uh so and the creator's t- telling the story and the and all of a sudden he said so who wants to join in you know who wants to come and we're all there, and I put up my arm, and I go, I'll go, yes, I'm going to be
1: there. I'm going to do that,
2: and with all my friends, and over the years, I've met a lot of those friends that were sitting in the (laughs) living room with me who I didn't know then, and that's really the essence of what I'm offering here is um, it's that power of we we all chose to be here at this time. So let's join forces on a on a, a uh, on a high frequency, hmm? and go do it. However, it is that you're meant to do it, just take the opportunity. Don't say, oh, you know, you pray for something, and then we go, oh, no, I don't like that, because it comes in a different form. You know, it's like just do what shows up in your life, and. Um, yeah, and then we'll continue that next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, get, off, get on the train. And, yeah, uh, just find cool out cool what cool. is it that
2: makes you smile? What is it? Obviously, I like to talk, so um, I have no problem with radio <laughs> shows. I've, all been an inter- I've been interviewed many times. Um, so I really was looking forward to this. Um, and also, I wanted to be authentic and real, um, each one of us. If you can, if from now until the next radio show, if you can get, uh, get into your own authenticity more, uh, whatever that means to you, that would be great. And uh, focus on joy. As I was told yeah, this morning, and joy, joy the source of questions. all.
1: Anastasia is eager yes. to hear from you. If you have a question, Send us her questions, and she can always uh, answer them next time. And um, it, it's very easy to find Anastasia. Just go to her Facebook, Anastasia Hayes Piper. Send her a private message. Or go to her web, website at org, and you can contact her.
2: So, and you can sign up for our newsletter and blog and everything, too. Be happy to uh, to meet meet you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or thank you, Claudia. I'm to mm-hmm. Asheville and have a one on one with Anastasia. She's <laughs> there until the end of September. So if you you are close or so, to the you know. Asheville North, uh, North Carolina area or planning to visit, send her a private message and, and have a conversation with Anastasia.
2: Well, thank you, Claudia, for offering me this opportunity. This has been fun
1: it's been so again next time we're going to be here on September and we're going to be sharing all of that on Facebook and um, anything changes we would let you know and so Anastasia thank you um, we'll be back on September 9th that's a Monday at 12 and we will continue with a blessed life with Anastasia Hayes Piper So we're going to now start to get into the fashion, life, what it was. (laughs) (laughs) So all of your questions and going from there to enlightenment. Just like you said, it's not that you went from there to enlightenment. It's just you found that enlightenment was everywhere. Mm -hmm. So let's find out how she came to that realization. And again, Anastasia, thank you so much for being here Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you. Just
2: keep in touch. And I wanted to send out to the audience uh, lots of love and abundant blessings uh, in all you do. And just remember how great you are and that you are loved. We are all loved.
1: Thank you. Thank you.